First time was a great time, second time was a blast, third time you fell in love, now he just podcasts. He's Slim, he's the host of the Paper Cake Podcast, this is episode 133. Welcome to the show, Paper Cake Podcast, where we talk about the books we've read this week, and we'll do a book club that we all read together, and we debate it. And hold each other forever. Still recovering from last week's stray bullets. We're going into the vault. Mike Mignola's Hellboy. Rip. Uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I'll introduce to the rest of the show. Uh, he's a writer. He's officially a writer. He's drinking from a TARDIS mug. He's trying to troll somebody, I don't know who, with that mug. Uh, unpublished. Haynes T. Forever. Jonesy loves beer. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I just love these Hanes plain white tees, and I'm just never going to go outside of my comfort zone. And uh, as to who I'm trolling, you know who you are. Ooh. Oh, man. Wow. Shots fired. Strong, strong troll words. Shots fired. Uh, and our final uh, rogue pod guest, these two had guest hosted on the ancillary characters year-end show. Congratulations to you both. Thank Welcome you. back. Uh, podcast phenom, internet celeb. Just look at his Twitter feed, and you'll know instantly that he has what it takes. Uh, Dale underscore. Welcome back to the show. Feels great to be back. Uh, I am ready to start this new year with paper keg in the forefront. I'm not looking forward to my first full week of work uh, this week, but. You know what? We'll just look ahead to the show. And uh, while we record this, we will be thinking of a theme for a, for an upcoming episode of uh, Paper Keg. So, and I can air quotes on Google Plus. I just never assume that you work a full week, period. I just assume you're home three days a week, you know, taking care of those devils that you have. And the kids, I don't know what's happening in that house half the time. God bless you, sir. If you if you have ever wanted to see a man pushed to the precipice of sanity, <laughs> you watch me in that GD bathroom trying to get the bath water temperature just right for these kids, because I will be in there for a half hour fiddling with those knobs. It will. It, it just encourages me to, to just reach out for the drink and pour it in my glass. Monique Howers, are you listening to an audiobook in there? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so we went back to Hellboy. You know, Dale's a big fan of the big two, quote, <laughs> Dale's big two, Marvel and Dark Horse. So we'll be talking about what I believe is volume two, Wake the Devil. Although it referenced two other books, two other arcs, so I thought maybe I read the wrong volume half the time. It thinking the same. It did. Uh, just calm down, guys. It, it <laughs> referenced a one shot, the coffin and the nail, coffin and the something, and then it referenced uh, Seeds of Destruction, which is the first volume. Right. So right. We're on track, uh, but I understand your plight. Fear yeah. not, dear listener. And uh, the next week, we're working on, maybe next week or the week after, we're working on a big theme show. The plans are in motion. We don't know what's happening yet. 
Haynes Tees will be sponsoring the show along with the comic book shop in Delaware. Big show. Uh, hopefully we can pull it together the night before. Where every shirt now is tagless. Haynes Tees. <laughs> you, can't, you can't want them tags, babe. You no, just can't you want them. cannot want this. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. First of all, thanks for taking a break from your podcast guest host schedule uh, to be here, though you've never been on Echo Rift. And I just want to make that abundantly clear. It couldn't be clear how much I am not welcome on the podcast. They, you know, if they want some hammy audio for some special, yeah. you know, just go to King S Goofball. But, uh, you know, where can a guy go to do some Highlander fan talk in 2013? Not Echo Rift, that's where. Echo Rift is a pop culture radio podcast. They put about eight episodes out a week. Uh, ranging from TV, movies, and comic books. We know those two, but Jonesy, sadly, has never been on it. But what did you read this week, Jonesy Loves Beer? Let's, let's talk about you. I, it's hard to talk about comics that I've read without mentioning the end of Lock and Key. Uh, now, I don't want to go into heavy spoiler mode, which I want to do, okay? But I can't talk, I can't not talk about it. You know, uh, Lock and Key has been a labor of love for Joe Hill. You know, there was a failed pilot involved. You know, there there were some uh, some gray areas. You know, if this thing would really see the light of day, and it has, and it's wonderful. Now, as a, a theme episode, uh, last Christmas I made Slim read the first volume, and even he was intrigued by the story. Mm. And uh, Joe Hill is his father's son. He's very Stephen King uh, influenced, but also really influenced by the comics and superhero genre. And the finale of Lock and Key was uh, perfect. Hmm. If I could just use my catchphrase, strongest possible recommendation. Wow. Wow. Is to read uh, the entire Lock and Key run. Uh, There's even some great, uh, issues like the guide to the keys. Now, those of you who don't know, Lock and Key is about uh, the key house in a New England, and the family, um, the Lock family, moves there after a tragedy uh, from their former home, and they're kind of in this key house, which is like a family heirloom, family property passed down, and within the home are a set of keys, and the keys have special properties. Like one is the you know, the ghost key where you can have an out-of-body experience. One is the anywhere key where you can open a door and go literally anywhere you can imagine. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great uh, mythological, like Call of Thulu references and, and great influences from Stephen King's own work. Of course, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. I think I mentioned that just now. Uh, Joe Hill. Drink drink every time Joe Hill. I'm sure he loves that his. reference every time someone mentions his name. Yeah, please Actually, mention this who is my the father first, is. This is the first episode of the Paper Cake he's ever listened to, and the last, mm-hmm. thanks to my references. Uh, but Lock and Key, just an amazing uh, comic, uh, really bends the medium as to what kind of story you can tell, and a uh, highest possible recommendation, Lock and Key. Wow. Are you, are you, are you saying... Uh, Paper keg Akira style with lock and key. <laughs> is that what you're saying right I, now? I would ruck a lock and key if I think Slim would even green light that's it for like, a second. That's like thirty. That has to be more than thirty issues. Oh my Get God. A, can I someone give me 30, a count on that? Thirty-four. Oh my! Ever, maybe? Never mind. Good Lord. Thirty-four glorious issues. Can I read that in one night? The night before? <laughs> I don't think it took me three days. Tradition? I caught that Comicsology sale. The catch-up sale. Oh, okay. Smart, because you know, I re- those last two issues were like eight bucks. I was pretty yeah. surprised. Well, the comic, the comicsology catch-up sale, if you're listening to this from the future, I'm sorry. You've sorely missed out. Mm-hmm. But I think I picked up the whole series for like 30 bucks. Oh, smokes. It was worth it. Yeah. We should, you know, plan, there was that. A, we should um, plan that ahead. should. Months. There was a cool little thing. Disclaimer, I work for comicsology. Uh, one of those web bundles. Uh, included like black and white versions of uh, the final two issues, I think. Oh, I missed that. That was pretty cool. I uh, I will say this before I pass uh, the uh, baton here. Uh, some company is making uh, facsimile keys, like a facsimile key collection where you can actually own the keys of... Uh, it's like the Green Lantern house. rings. Exactly. So, you know, I do have a birthday every July, guys. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. And uh, many special occasions throughout the year. This is actually from the 80s uh, song key. Hmm. Can we just schedule some kind of party at you or Dale's house where we just have a dance party and we all have to wear 80s clothes? Because that would just be the greatest <laughs> party of all time. Oh, man. That would be... Born to be My, alive. Oh, would man. Would be in heavy rotation. And we'd all just be drinking, like, caramel vodkas the whole night and just and just dancing. My go-to move when you hit the 80s music is the Eddie Murphy party all the time, hold your headphones dance. <laughs> That's just my go-to move. It's a good move yeah, to we, have. Yeah, we saw you do it, and then since we didn't bring it up, you did you so yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we noticed, Jonesy. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, speaking of feeling the heat, your friend and mine, Wolverine. Yeah? The savage Wolverine. Let me see if I can refocus here. All right, we're focused. Um, number 13. You know, that savage Wolverine book, is they're bringing on artists just to write and draw a little two-issue, three-issue mini, do whatever the heck they want. So Phil Jimenez, Jimenez uh, is writing and drawing this arc about poaching. I do want to say, sadly, he did not uh, draw the entire issue. He did breakdowns, and they had like six artists do finishes. My word. It's kind of weird. But um, I think I talked about it before where he discovers That's almost that like as bad this, as poaching, I think. <laughs> it's a criminal act. They call that artist artistic poaching. Yeah. The um apparently he's friends with like this herd of elephants that for like the last eighty years he uh-huh. just kinda runs with them and hangs out with them in Africa. And he discovers that there's a different kind of poaching happening where they just tear their faces off and sell that. And they don't even kill the animal, they just let them sit there and wallow oh in my pain. God. So he freaks out and finds uh, that the stuff is being traded in Madripoor. Dirty-ass city. Yeah. And he goes to talk to Tiger Tiger about it, and she's kind of cool with it. (laughs) She's like, yeah, what of it, Wolverine? Get out. So uh, the second issue, that was like your cliffhanger, the second issue uh, involves them two talking about it. And she kind of has actually a really interesting take where, you know, when she took over Madripoor, she got rid of the sex slave prostitution ring, which was destroying, you know, the young women of the town. And she's all right with this poaching happening if it if it means that the young girls in the city aren't being treated like meat. And she's like, she, she remarks, like, they're just dumb animals. And Wolverine, <laughs> at that, kind of freaks. And, and he... Uh, he shows her, like, if you think it's they're just dumb animals, you know, people call me an animal my entire life, and let's see how you like it. So he takes his adamantium claw over the course of two pages mm-hmm. and cuts off his own face. Oh, my To God. show her, like, what the effect is that this this whole... Or <laughs> just pooped himself right there. <laughs> what the effect is, you know, to see this happen. And I... The the story and the art were kind of so so. I mean, the story was good, but yeah. But this scene that Wolverine would go to this length to to explain to who was once his friend um, what this means to like these animals. I thought that was, I thought it was amazing. Um, and then there was another scene where he meets up with this older elephant that he's known for many decades, and he tries to burn the. Um, the tusks as kind of like a burial and this brings out this elephant and the elephant they have like this kind of weird communication which in any other story I would think would be total baloney but because Jimenez did this cool thing where Wolverine went to this length to describe the pain I was kind of okay with it so it's the last there's like three pages of Wolverine just having a conversation with this elephant and it didn't make any sense but I didn't mind it one bit and the elephant was like hurt beyond belief and it couldn't it couldn't smell the elephants because the tusks were bleached 
and it went back into the forest saying how it would tell the stories of these elephants that had died. It was, I, I mean, I oh. thought it was pretty cool. It definitely felt like rushed in some points, but overall I liked it. You I was about to make a pack of elephants joke, and now I feel bad because the elephant's so sad. In a stinking appropriate, Jonesy. Not the time or the place, <laughs> Jonesy. All right? I'll I'm, just hang it up right now. I'm guys. a total... Man, you just feed... You give me a story like that. I, oh, God. That would just that would just tug at me hardcore. Like, mm-hmm. oh, just by you saying that, I became infuriated. And it's just a story in Savage Wolverine, but... Yeah. I was like, these beasted poachers in their ways. And there tigered. was a... There was a B plot where Kitty finds out or she's trying to like uh, help Wolverine out or she uncovers this story and Cypher is in it and they're like, they use Cerebro to kind of listen in on the sub audio channels that these elephants talk to each other and they just see like through Cerebro how often these elephants die, like one every 15 minutes. And then they try to go and... um, uh, give these like poacher activists like some more munitions to help out as much as they can at the end. It was pretty cool. That's cool. Are they, um, is that Savage Wolverine getting a reboot or is it? No, uh... I think, um, there's another arc coming up. I can't remember who the artist is. Um, I want to say David Isenov, but I don't think that's true, but no, that apparently there's another, there's like another three issue arc coming right after this. I don't think it's getting rebooted, man. I should, uh, I really want to read that just because it's, I like the, uh, like the plan for the book and what it does with the two issue arcs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Dale Hooray. your hair looks, let's be honest, fantastic tonight. Thanks, man. Uh, uh, what did you read this week? I read, hold on to your butts, <laughs> um, Baltimore Chapel of Bones, number one. Nice. Uh, Mike Mignola themed show underscore a show. Uh, Baltimore Chapel of Bones is a, a the beginning of the end, as it were. Oh, no. Uh, Baltimore has written letters to three people that have uh, had dealings with him in his life. I don't know whether they're the I mean, they're the most important people to him now. Now, you know, that his family's gone and stuff like that. But. He requested they meet at a bar, and with any luck, God willing, uh, Lord Baltimore would meet them at this bar. So uh, the three compatriots are at the bar, catch you know, kind of introducing themselves and how they know Baltimore. And the bar, uh, the inn is closing, so they're kind of like uh, um, the uh, you know the the innkeepers, like you guys are going to have to get a room or leave because we're closing. So there's like a drunkard artist who's sitting at the bar and the drunkard artist sort of invites them up, uh, to, up to the, up to his studio so they can wait for Baltimore while the bar's closed. They get up there. It turns out this, this guy is kind of like the, um, uh, what's the, uh, like the Dracula's assistant. What was his name? Igor. It's like Igor, but it's not. Oh, uh, rent, rent, Renfield? Yeah, Renfield. He's like a, like a Renfield kind of character. He's under the spell of Hagus, the the main uh, bad guy that Baltimore's been hunting all these issues. And um, Hagus and Renfield uh, kind of trap them up in the studio. And Hagus is weak He's because he's been on the run for so long. He hasn't really had the ability to um, kind of uh, frequent his... his Meals and stuff like that. Meals, air quotes. And uh, the plan is to uh, Hagus is plan is to take out these last three friends of Baltimore's before Baltimore can get there, so he can at least stick it to Baltimore one more time, no matter what the ending to this confrontation will be. And uh, you know these these three guys are holding their own. They're, they've been kind of been in the military, but the uh, you know the artist studio like turns into this wall of zombies and stuff like that, and uh, things are looking bad. At the very end of the issue, in busts Captain Lord Henry Baltimore mm. to uh, confront Hagus the vampire uh, one mm. last time, and that's how the issue ends. This will make a great 
animated feature property. I wonder why they haven't done it yet. I I compl- I was just thinking that too, Jonesy. Just recently, it's uh, you know, if they wrapped up like all the uh, arcs into like you know one of those Hellboy type animated movies, God, like the the art style and the the colors would just work for something like that, and the and the story itself, so, and and it ties. It's what's cool about this issue. It like definitely it like ties up everything back to the novel that started it all, the Baltimore novel. So it has references, and at the bottom, there's like little asterisks referencing what, you know, where this could be found, and and it's in the novel itself. It, and I thought that was like the coolest thing. How you know, it's it's kind of telling fans of the comics like, hey, this all started in a book. If you want to go check it out and stuff, really great, really great stuff. I I love. I think I said it before, but I love the Twitter's Discover tab on their their app. Like I scroll over to that and see like what people are tweeting and like news stories that's where like i get a lot of news now mm-hmm. but that actual last page that you just mentioned showed up in there today what? i was kind of bummed to see it like ah oh, i'm not there yet and it showed that someone tweeted the last page and it showed up but i mean oh, props who to would do tw- that props to twitter for i guess thinking that i would be interested in a baltimore tweet because i definitely was i just didn't want to see that last page so does what that that discover tab tweets? that let's get uh, flappish for a second that discover tab like calls tweets from unrelated people to you yeah yeah like it's based on i guess my social graph and it pulls in tweets from i guess like your followers or people you follow that i might be interested in like that aaron myers that guy that tweets about comics all the time i see his pictures every so often like so i don't follow him but yeah like i could see periodically in the discover tab like oh i'd be interested that's a cool tweet and then oh, i just wow. keep scrolling and find other stuff it's it, it it's got me off of tweetbot like that tab makes me use the twitter app god so but you know you have to go through the the calling to need yeah. to use that twitter app it's a conversation terrified. for a different day terrified uh, lightning round two sentences or less another book you read jonesy loves beer please Revelations, uh, Boom Studios, uh, Paul Jenkins, and Umberto Ramos on art. It's offensive. Uh, just when we thought we didn't need it, this uh, scathing uh, Catholic pathology book comes out when a murder happens in the Vatican. What? It's pretty great. Umberto Stray Bullets number nine. It's too real. Too real. Twenty eight guys <laughs> named Nick tells the story of a hapless jean short wearing Nick. And it's one of those great stray bullet stories that I love. Stray bullets, just read it, please. God help you. Speaking of Thor, God of Thunder, number sixteen. The reprehensible behavior of one Thor, God of Thunder, in this book, only semi-acceptable because it wasn't him controlling himself. Best book of the year. Best run of the year. That was one sentence. Those two. Hellboy. Wake the Devil by Mike Mignola and uh, colorist to be added in post-production later. (laughs) (laughs) The second volume, if you don't count the one shot that Dale didn't tell us about. Uh, So we're going back. We did Hellboy Volume 1 ages ago. I'm not even sure what episode that is. Maybe we can get the intern on it. Absolutely. Um, Jonesy, tell us, please.
Jonesy, is that the Eddie Murphy uh, impression? <laughs> oh my god, I'm so glad you brought it up because that's exactly what it is. That saxophone is so like snapping. That's the best part of that entire song where that saxophone just like cuts out and the guy's like, Gah! Paper Cake 63 was Hellboy FYI. Thanks, intern. Okay, so Hellboy <laughs> Wake the Devil. So dramatic. Um, is about a poor, lonely boy named Rasputin and his fairy godmother, Baba Yaga. And Rasputin has been sourly defeated by the evil Hellboy. You know, Rasputin uh, was told at a young age that he would usher in a new era of man. You know, the old world is meant to be swept away by the power of the dragon. And Rasputin is to be the St. John the Baptist and lead the way for the messianic Hellboy. But only Hellboy is like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to be good. So Rasputin must articulate plans with his followers to bring about the destruction of the world on his own. Unfortunately, the BPBR Bureau of Paranormal Department, what is that called? Hellboy's Department. I'm going to call that the HD department, uh, is trying to stop him at every turn. Abe Sapien, Liz Sherman, and Hellboy split up into three teams and are ready to capture the first vampire, as it were, the first gentleman vampire, the first soldier to be called by Rasputin to usher in a new age of darkness. And throughout the battle we discover Hellboy's true power. Love? Maybe. (laughs) Or horny. Horny love. (laughs) God. Oh, jeez. Hellboy, Wake the Devil. A awesome volume where the protagonist and antagonist are reversed. Hmm. Slim, your thoughts? By the by, James Sinclair Uh, on colors. mm Mm-hmm. The I truth be told, I cannot remember one damn thing from Hellboy Volume One at all. As when I read this trade, I just went in it. Uh, I was watching Harry Potter at the same time with my wife, my lovely wife and son. Um, greatly enjoyable. This, is, even though I didn't remember anything from the first volume, you can still jump into Volume Two, and it's got cyborg Nazis, vampires, um the you know the mystic arts just great fun stuff and it and i think we talk about it a lot with atomic robo and how like just got a fun nazi action war big guns and hellboy was like i don't not the originator of that but there's a certain group of books today that wouldn't exist without hellboy and yeah, um true. i i thought it was the like reading it through i was like really interested about how each issue kind of just ended. There was almost not even really a cliffhanger that each issue kind of ended with a whimper almost where it was like an, it was like a stage break where the curtains kind of just went down and that was the end of that act, which was really interesting. And I don't see that a whole lot. I don't read Hellboy books now and help volume one was like the only other thing I read. But I think the thing that is would draw people into this book is there's a lot of storytelling happening with the villains and the mythology of the Nazis, but Hellboy is almost your guide through that. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He just kind of like goes in with guns blazing and he says all the time, like, you know, I don't, you know, nothing's going to happen. This is all junk. I don't care what you're, what you're saying right now, whatever your speech you're feeding me, I'm just going to punch you in the mouth. (laughs) And that's like the ultimate, uh, buy-in for a new reader i think yeah his attitude towards any of this stuff it's it's he's seen it and he doesn't give two s's about what the implications could mean um yeah i thought i i'm same as you slim i haven't read I, I, seeds of destruction i remember took place like in an old house in the middle of a swamp and they found abe sapien and I really don't remember Rasputin being a driving force. Um, but my 
my th- I mean I just love Mike Mignola's work like his mythology in creating Hellboy and his passion for like it, it's, and it continues to this day but his passion for like World War II occult settings it's just it's really interesting how deep he goes and I'd like to it, it would be interesting to find out you know how much real inspiration he draws like like real tales from that time like like Rasputin for instance like how true to life you know like is there any aspect of the Rasputin in this story that's real in any way in you know in real mythology or or something like that and the same with some of the Nazi occult stuff that some of this act stuff actually exists or is it just a wide open playground that Mike Mignola gets to play in because it could be anything which is mm-hmm. which is cool and it, it makes me just think about that kind of stuff but his art and his I mean and the colors too James Sinclair like uh, uh, Dave Stewart does mostly all of his coloring nowadays but James Sinclair for whatever reason did this arc and uh it's just, I mean, it works so well for the style of writing and the occult, like the skulls. I don't know, and the, and the Nazi symbol for whatever the uh, the thing was called, um, the the Reich's occult mm-hmm. division. I don't know. It's just an excellent book. I was appre- like uh, apprehensive reading volume two for the show, only because I'm curious to say to, to to wonder if anything is said differently than the first time around. You know what I mean? Like, for me personally, and probably for us, I can't speak for everybody, but we loved it. We loved the art. You know, we love the setting kind of stuff. It, it, the the story went places like threads, like kind of like spun off in a diff- couple different um, places that I didn't expect or I didn't necessarily follow completely. But it didn't never got too deep or wordy that it wasn't insane to try and follow just take it for face value for what it was and it was like a fun supernatural story about the occult and and stuff like that yeah it felt like the when you first read it you i've personally felt that it was going to be that first vampire's story that vladimir character but he almost became the b plot right after that first issue where and then vladimir came back and then the the wife or the lover of that Vladimir character almost became the new B plot and then he became the C plot as the story went on. It was very strange how there was almost no main story, mm-hmm. but it shifted a few times and I guess maybe Rasputin will always be the kind of main story over the entire run or however long he lasts, but it definitely shifted from issue to issue. Yeah, which which was seemed organic at least. It wasn't bad, but to see this vampire, like this fabled vampire, just eat it in the end, like not like not he wasn't a threat at all. Yeah, was uh, kind of funny. But the uh, the iron the the lover who got put in the Iron Maiden, I thought that was cool. I didn't expect the Iron Maiden to come to life. <laughs> I just thought it was going to be like she was sacrificing herself. But that the one panel where she was the Iron Maiden was just shut on her, and the Iron Maiden is like crying blood from her blood. It was like mm-hmm. that was a, that was a masterpiece. And Mignola's Falcon panel, oh god, beautiful. He could draw a Falcon like no other. Uh, one thing that I love, and I can't remember if Volume One was like this either, but I loved about Volume Two is this is a story almost told in reverse. I think we're so mired in good guy shows up, good guy has a path to go and fight, good guy wins, that this story is almost told in reverse, like completely from Rasputin's point of view, almost pulling the story along instead of the hero pushing it through, if that makes any sense. And that's totally, one, not what I expected, and two, something that I, I don't know that I've ever read before, especially in comics, and, and I really appreciated it, uh, to have Rasputin be the character you, you know, relate to and feel bad for by the end of the epilogue was something that totally caught me off guard. I did I did think it was interesting that Rasputin was the 
main focus of all the story. Like Hellboy barely got any play other than him being total BA. But I, I thought it was interesting how Rasputin's point of view was the point of view that you had were made to deal with and deal with in a not in a bad way, but you were forced to read his point of view for most of the issue. And how yeah, Hellboy was like he was Hellboy was supposed to be his ushering like the the world breaker he was going to bring you know and Hellboy just like was raised like nature versus nurture he was p- found by Doctor whatever and raised to be a good guy is is amazing I and especially you know I just I just mentioned but the epilogue when he is like on the edge of the natural world and Naba Baga Yaga fairy godmother shows up. And was like, hey, you know, you just got to go back out there and keep fighting. And he asked the big questions that the hero should ask, like, why am I here? Why am I fighting? Am I just a pawn? You know, I believe my whole life that I want to be a leader of men and to be something more than a man. And now just to find out that I'm just an agent of the dragon, like, is that what I want my life to be? Like, that's the question a hero would ask in a story, not a villain. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, I I think I love the epilogue probably more than any single issue just because it revealed the mechanics of the story to me at the end. Uh, Also worth it to mention that something about Hellboy in general and something I really love in fiction is, you know, this is supposed to be a fantasy, fantasy story where, you know, there's a formula, there's formulaic, like every vampire story is formulaic, you know, it, Everything should be what we used to say all the time, like story by numbers. But the premise of Hellboy is throw all that all the window, or out the window rather, and the hero is going to make a left turn. Wherever you think the story should go, you know, you know, Hellboy should have a cross and the cross should burn the vampire. But Hellboy's just going to pull out a revolver and try to take a pot <laughs> shot at his head. Like nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goes, like at any time you think this should be the trope. Hellboy like decides to leap over it, does something else completely unexpected, and I really think Mignola, like his influence, is felt now because I think a lot of comics try to do that <laughs> because Mignola decided to throw the formula out when writing Hellboy, and this volume in particular, it's it really takes center stage, and I really like that about this series. I like your way of uh, that's a that's a cool viewpoint to have, Jonesy. I didn't I haven't really thought about it like that, but. You got away with words, my friend. Well, thank you so much, Dale. And you. I thought mm. the... Um, it's cool for anybody who's only seen the Hellboy movie. Like, the last scenes of the movie where he uh, he's, like, descending and he grows the horns back. And he has, like, that ball of light in between his horns and stuff like that. That's taken from this book, which is kind of cool how they just took that scene for something for use in the movie. Even though it's not related quite to the story that's being told here and in the movie i remember it being a lot longer you know this took like this was done in two pages or something like that mm-hmm. whereas i i wonder if that was like mignola's influence on how he uh you know he expected those scenes to play out visually in a movie and i remember because i remember the movie it took you know it was a it was a chunk of the end at least probably 10 15 minutes at the very I least can, i can't remember if i liked those movies at all, I don't remember. Uh, I, I I liked them. I think uh, I think it I think did a good job. Was better than the first. Yeah, the second one was really yeah. good. Didn't Guillermo del Toro do the second yeah. one? The second one is visually stunning. Wow! Like uh, any one of the characters in the Golden Army uh, is gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely phenomenally, beautifully imaged film. And it's got a Hellboy in it, so yeah, yeah. And and that you, I mean, just Ron Perlman gives Hellboy his voice. Like when I'm reading El- Hellboy's dialogue in this, it's Ron Perlman. Like, all the, yeah, it's just it d- doesn't feel right any other way. It's great. Not that I want to sprinkle this in and derail the conversation, but there I read in some trivia somewhere that you know that uh, after the Golden Army came out, uh, Perlman to fulfill a Make a Wish Foundation, like went through the whole 15 hour. Make a process so he could show up at a like at a sick kid's hospital room <laughs> as Hellboy, just to oh, like man. spend like two hours with him. God, yeah, what a class act! It's a nice guy. 
and we I should think... uh, maybe. Are you saying we should uh, do those for Paper Keg Film episodes? Is that what you're saying right now, Slim? <laughs> Revisit Golden Army, Slim. I uh, we have we have a an idea of what we wanted to do for the next one, and it was going to be a TV mm. episode. Remember That's that? right. And then it floundered. We we all mm. forgot about it. We never and forgot about I, it. it maybe I watched that one episode with my son. Part one. Every time I read a Mike Mignola book, I selfishly, and it's wrong of me to think this because he's doing whatever he wants for a creator on a book and he's writing and drawing it, but I wish I had more of those Wolverine jungle adventure books from Mike Mignola where he just writes or he draws this Wolverine book and he's fighting Apocalypse I just wish there was more Mignola X-Men or Mignola Batman. Mm-hmm. I know there's some out there and I've read them, but I just wish there were more because you could see that, you know, what he would have done with it. But, I mean, Hellboy is great and I love reading Hellboy. But right. it's just for me as a fan that grew up with, you know, Superman and Batman and Wolverine, there's just, I would love to see more of that. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, I, I agree because it's a shame to see the path he took, whereas... Some people have their creator own work and they still do, you know, licensed characters and stuff. But he kind of like after doing that in the beginning, he's he only does his his stuff now, mm-hmm. which is a shame it's, because it's great for him. Gotham by Gaslight. And I mean, I still want to read those Jungle Adventures oh, books ever Gotham since you talked Gaslight. about it in the beginning. Are oh, you saying we should do that for Paper Keg one day, Slim? Is that what you're inferring right it now? It might be. It might be Wolverine Jungle God. Adventure. Mike mm. Mignola. Oh, God. Simon. <laughs> Feel the heat. <laughs> you should have had that queued up right there. <laughs> that would have been the ideal moment. Uh, but yeah, Mignola, it's almost like you get tired of saying it, how great his art is, but his art it's undeniable. is amazing. Undeniable. His, his blacks, his whites. I mean, some of the panels, there's just total darkness, and there's like maybe two character heads and torsos, and it's amazing to look at. Where I I wish he was drawn Baltimore too, but I think it was a is it Stenback or Ben Stenback or whoever's doing Baltimore yeah is all, just very perfect for that Baltimore book and I wouldn't want to see almost anybody uh, draw that but God Mignola's stuff is so gorgeous and I I don't think he kept up drawing Hellboy right do you know how at what point he stopped drawing and maybe just only wrote, uh, wrote the stories. Dale, don't you have some kind of omnibuy on your table somewhere? I yeah, I was under the impression that he, if if there was any that he did do, it was Hellboy. But I could be wrong. I, I oh. there there are a lot of names on the omnibuy. I can uh, I get the intern on it though. Yes, even get the intern on that. I, I thought at some point that he's maybe held back or maybe did every other story or. Oh, you know what? I think you're right because that Duncan Fregredro, mm-hmm. he might be, he he either did. Hellboy in Hell, or maybe Mignola came back for Hellboy in Hell. Yeah, but that maybe name that's it, sounds yeah. familiar. And uh, you Duncan know what? He might have did that one shot, uh, the Midnight Circus, or whatever it's called. Hmm. But yeah, yeah, I think you are right. What's yeah, Mignola Hellboy. Doing? He's not drawing. I mean, he's on. writing. He's writing and reading World War Two uh, books, trying to books. get inspiration for Rasputin and his wiki page that I was reading earlier. Hellboy is still just a great. You know, you can give somebody one of these trades and you can read oh it God. and start loving it and then seek other stuff out. That's, you know, that Dark Horse numbering scheme that I love so much. The uh, Hellboy 20 years old this year, 2014. Wow. Yeah. Happy anniversary. Happy birthday, Hellboy. <laughs> this is the, I just pictured Dale in front of a blue screen, like also doing the weather when he reads these little bits. <laughs> Uh, happy birthday to Hellboy. Let's see what's going on in uh, Northeast Philadelphia right now. It's going to be a balmy 75 degrees. 20 years old today. Keep on chugging there, guy. There's like a scroll of birthdays going up, and they have the little frilly <laughs> cupcakes in the corner. Let's take it over Hellboy. to uh, Bob Kelly with traffic. Thank you. <laughs> We're the eye in the sky, Dale underscore A's in a helicopter. Trouble yeah. in the blue route today there, Dale. Yeah. This birthday wish brought to you by... Uh, Cherry Hill Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike Mignola. Uh, Mike Mignola. If I could more just, I would go one step further as to say the Mignola verse within Dark Horse is part of my big two. Mignola verse. 
Really? So wait, is it yeah. it's it's Marvel and the Mignolaverse or Marvel and Dark Horse subset Mignolaverse? Yeah, have, that's can you it. Break it down for us. That's probably it. I mean, uh, you know, if there was a if it was bulleted out, it'd be Marvel, Dark Horse is the main bullets, but then the sub bullet under Dark Horse, Mignolaverse. Okay, we're getting a uh, hot over the wire. James's or uh, not James's. <laughs> Jonesy's BFF, Jim Lind, on the Twitter. Mike, he's on a first-name basis with Mignola. Mike is doing art and writing on Hellboy in Hell and rocking it. Not monthly, just when he wants to. Hey. I don't know the validity of that statement. It just came over Twitter. Could be false. I have no idea. Thanks for checking that out, Jim Lind. Jim Lindturn. Troll friend. Wake. Lindturn. Nice. The Devil. We got your letters I'm gonna open them up Farrington's gonna read them To you Letters at paperkeg.com Shoot us a letter and maybe Jonesy will Try and read it on the air with Dale and Gray's assistance Slim, our first letter comes to us from friend of the show <laughs> so long soundcloud <laughs> I would buy these sax players drinks if I saw them live. Oh, you know it. I would invite them to the bar, and I would just slap their shoulder. I like to feel that one of them wears scarves all the time, even though he doesn't have to. Shawls? God, Robert Palmer, rest in peace, buddy. (laughs) Hey, guys. I haven't written in a long time, but following your 2013 wrap-up episode, I just wanted to say thank you. I'm going 100% digital. Good good choice. And when I look at the comics on my Kindle, I notice they're almost all things recommended by you guys. Currently reading Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Just finished Five Ghosts. Oh, and here's all of Strike Force Moratory. Oh, yeah. Keep up the great podcast. Have you ever thought of having the wives on? God. Ben Blacker recently did that on the Nerdist Writers Panel Comics Edition, and it was very fun. Anyway, you rule. Very exciting on the Twitter. What would a wife show? A wife show would be. I mean, we're like the alphas on the podcast, but we would be belittled. Made to feel oh, like yeah. poop. Would we have them on as guests, or would they replace us and talk about a book that they read? I think the only way to do that it is total sense. replacement, <laughs> and we don't even tell anybody it's coming. People just download an episode, and it's our wives just playing us. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That oh would God. be... <laughs> the bribery and the back rubs that would need to be promised <laughs> for that kind of shenanigans to happen. The editing. I think I might have to trade like a, a vacation where we fly somewhere for it. That's what I think the stakes will have I mean, to our be. wives would fly somewhere. Yeah, yeah would us have the kids included. with us, yeah. From this do one. That's a great, that's a great thought, though. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I'm ready to be... Uh, I think Dale's sweating right now. I'm just thinking about <laughs> God. it. I'd be... Looking uh, over his shoulder. I would be just... Uh, I'm ruined. I'd probably be ruined for life. <laughs> Social media is my only escape. You understand? What uh, happens the day your wife gets on Twitter? That all over. your tweets are We're done. We're just never going to hear from Dale your, again. Your coffee tweets. Your cleaning up the kitchen tweets. It would be over. My teats would beat my teats. <laughs> uh, my. It would be. Just completely awful. I would be vanilla like like a social media account for some company, like Progresso Soup. It would just be 
you know, hey, what are you guys doing We would never see your weekend? heart covers tweeted again. Yeah, you <laughs> would, ever. You would the not. The progresso re- soup of husband Twitter accounts. It would not be recognizable to what it is today. That's for sure. Hello, all of you friends that I don't curse out or speak very nicely about all the time now. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> next letter <laughs> comes from a big friend of the show, uh, Cameron Rice at Jurassic Alien on the Twitter. Hey, fellas, been loving the show as of late. It's always been great, but the sweet spot has been hit as of late. This is season two of Buffy good. This is Stone Cold making Vince McMahon pee his pants with a pop gun good. Oh, yeah. That's the era we're in. And I've been loving Book Jug and The Flap. Everything coming from Brand Keg has been A+. My question is, what's next? Now we got Dale discussing parenthood, books, and comics. But what will it take to get the internet Silver Fox to discuss his real love, <laughs> that being 80 slasher films? What does Dale think of Jason Goes to Hell in comparison to Friday, f- Friday the 13th Part 5, where it was an imposter the whole time? Which is a big, huge ripoff, but you know, it was entertaining up until up till you figure that out. And That's where's really Slim's cool. wrestling show? I want to know what Slim thinks of old school wrestling. Reviews of old Rawls. What did Slim think when Goldust and Ahmed Johnson got into a feud because Goldust gave Ahmed mouth-to-mouth resuscitation? Where was Slim when the headbangers vomited on shotgun Saturday night? (laughs) And Jonesy, the choice is clear. Clothing review show. Jonesy is the most fashionable of all the keggers. He's the internet's Tim Gunn. From women's clothes, stylish hats, and in-season vests, the world wants to know Jonesy's opinion on the upcoming f- spring fashion line. Basically, I want more. Keep it up. Sincerely, Cameron Rice, former co-host of Paper Keg West, the worst spinoff since Joey or My Fair Brady. P.S. Someone let former co-host current dead person <laughs> Mark Farrington know. I'm sorry he didn't enjoy the Wolverine. I guess no one informed him Barry Allen would not be in it. That might have been... I'm going to call uh, that now... The letter Legendary. of 2014. Absolutely. Yeah, Top of the list. Amazing letter. We're only five, that uh, guy. five days in. Did uh, Papercake West ever officially resign? Or the, is know. it just still in the ether? It It's still in the ether. I know the shows that are still out there on iTunes, but it, it uh, I think they retired gracefully. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I know. Bottom somebody, line is, when is Jonesy's just... fashion podcast <laughs> queuing up? <laughs> Do I need to wear women's clothes every episode, or can I stick to my plain white tees? It might need to be a video podcast where you're in some kind of yeah. s- you know salon trying on different <laughs> clothes or reviewing women coming out of rooms and twirling. And that that would be it right there. Hated it, <laughs> but it would be only uh, from the Walmart women's department of clothes <laughs> where he where where he purchased his uh you know his Salt. woman's blouse for paper keg nights. <laughs> <laughs> or Dale's uh, movie, 80s slasher fic podcast Jason Goes to Hell I only watched once and I was uh, young then and I was very confused by Jason Goes to Hell I know they kept trading uh, Jason via mouth to mouth through this thing that would enter their mouths it was very very awkward for me I would probably put Jason Part 5 above that even though that Jason was an imposter Hmm. It, 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 uh, you know, it, 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 um, what's the word? It helped the series along, even Mm -hmm. though it was an imposter, Jason, it it did catapult the series even further into the uh, depths of sequeldom. Wow. Jonesy is at replying me Hellboy toys while we're recording the show. What is happening? I noticed that. I mean, who did that? Earth? Who who did it? Lord. I would love to do a wrestling podcast, but there's just no time. I would love it. Can you imagine going back, having a weekly show where you just watch every Raw from like 1997 and on? It would be my Daredevil podcast, just you alone in a bathroom with an (laughs) iPad, recording voice memos to be sent out later. That's what I do when I'm, you know, if I'm waiting for pizza to cook in the kitchen, I bring my iPad with me and I scroll through WWE's channel, see what I want to watch. And then that's how I weasel it in there. Or 2 a.m., you know, I'm watching WWF videos. There's rumors that they're going to start their own network, like an app. $9 a month, and you get the whole WWE library. 
Would you say you are the target demographic for that channel? Oh, my God. $9. You might even get their pay-per-views mixed into that. They, they, they're, I think they might assume that they'll make more money not mm-hmm. cutting deals with cable companies. Wow. $9. Their library is epic. It's like a Warner Brothers library because Vince McMahon bought up all those small companies, just their tape libraries. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. And and if I mean if they have like every one of their weekly shows available, that's a ton. Yeah, if I want to watch like February first, nineteen ninety seven, Monday Night Raw, I can just cue that baby up. My God, wow. man! If I can wasn't feel married it? and had a kid, what a time to be alive! Let's do it's it. I will be the uh, I'll be the Bobby Heenan. I'll, I won't even know that much about what's happening, but I will just throw the color commentary in it would also be fun just to go back and maybe watch the wrestlemanias and then just talk about them yeah that would be small oh my god that would be like epic oh my 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 pants just tightened around myself (laughs) are you gonna do it (laughs) is that it for the letters this week that's hard to top cameron rice's no that's it cameron rice takes it takes it this week and all weeks that's it don't bother after that Man, but I, honestly, I would love to do more paper keg uh, shows. Just time. Time, baby. Always works against us. I mean, we barely have time to read these book clubs. I literally finished this book 20 minutes before the show. <laughs> uh, what a show. Theme show coming up. Yeah. Maybe. Stay tuned, TVA. guys. Yeah. We'll see how the iMessage chats go tomorrow for planning <laughs> on a Monday. Dale will probably be at home. I don't know. I don't think he even goes into work. I don't even think he has a job anymore. He's got a Fight Club situation worked out with Don Garvey. You, you probably won't uh, find out until my wife gets on Twitter. Then you'll know the I, truth. I think the agreement is if Dale doesn't make fun of how many episodes Echo Riff puts out in a week, you can work from home however many days you want. Is that why he comes so quickly to the defense? Guys, guys, guys. It's fine. Uh, if you're bored, shoot us an iTunes review. You know, share the show with your friends or enemies. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. I've been marathoning the Harry Potter movies. Past gotta love it. Past week, I've only seen up until three, so mm. I'm in new territory now. Um, with uh, with James or just you and uh, your wife? Uh, we didn't have James the first two, but then we just kind of said, "Well, let's see how it goes." So he's yeah. in the room where we're watching the last couple. Probably out of his age group, paranoid. but you know. <laughs> He seems to really enjoy it when the Dementors come on screen and try to murder someone. (laughs) Right. Perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. But uh, it's been good. Been been good fun. Good movies, man. It's like always reminds me of Christmas time, winter, Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. Running out of shows to watch. I don't have any more Hell's Kitchen. Oh, boy. I tried watching some new show where it's essentially Kitchen Nightmares, but there's just like muscular Austrian kitchen reconstruction or some such. Not mm. good. You know? Doesn't have the magic of Gordon. What about the well, um, which... like the BBC version? Can you get a hold of those kitchen nightmares? I've already seen them. Oh. already watched them. What would be great Worn is out the, the, tape. The, the UK version of Hell's Kitchen, I think, exists. There's a U- there, <sighs> I think there's multiple seasons of UK Hell's Kitchen, but I can't get my hands on them. Not oh, on man. YouTube. If I had a UK Hulu Plus account like if i was in the uk or um, amazon i think i could watch them hmm. but because i'm in the states i can't watch them the states he says it's, it's my hell it's that like i live a true new yorker it's my hell
Son of course. The it's States. My hell. <laughs> it's my hell. Any other books to read? I don't think I read any other books this week. I read like five more straight straight bullets though. Now that the holidays are over, I'll be back on track, but with the holidays and that off getting snowed in, you know, managing kids on their days off, my days off. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Taylor, do you have any interest in picking up uh, Revelations, the Umberto Ramos book, uh, Lightning Rounded? Yeah, you did pique my interest big time. And Paul Jenkins, there you go. You know what I downloaded was those old Captain Americas that just got digitized um, right after Heroes Were Born, Heroes Return, hmm. Mark Wade and Ron Garney. Those are, I have those in print, so I wanted to go back and read those. But that's it. Is that the... What year did that come out? 2002? 1998. Ooh, never mind. Wow. wow. It ended in 2002. It was that run where like Andy Kubert came on an art kind of in like issue seven. It was a weird era where I think Andy Kubert also drew Thor for a while. Wow. I don't even remember that. Funny that you would know that Thor factoid though. <laughs> Thor historian over here. <laughs> Thor historian. <laughs> get, the, get the Jim Lintern on it. Lintern, <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be the nickname of twenty fourteen. I'll tell you that right now. Thank you. Thanks, uh, <laughs> just don't just don't send that into Echo Rift to have the guys rip it apart uh, <laughs> as being your favorite because they will tear it apart and make you feel like crap for I was writing it. listening to the Echo Rift. This, this whole episode is one big pitch to listen to Echo Rift pop culture podcast. But one of their hosts really just made me never want to ever email that show. Just tore apart a poor K. Allen Boone's letter. God rest his soul. Is he still living right now? He's probably jumped out of a bridge after uh, that letter was read. Poor Alan Boone was like an, like an like an aged elephant, getting his uh, face savaged by the poachers of Echo Rift. They're like the Statler and Waldorf of <laughs> podcast letter writing. Oh my god! But that that whole sentence is going to the show notes. I don't know how I can always live there, but savaged by the poachers of Echo Rift. My gosh. You know, good for them, though. They're having fun. Tearing people down. It's all good fun. It is. It really is. Kay Allen, hopefully, is still alive. God bless his soul. Holding on somewhere. They're doing a, uh, they've been doing a lot of uh, D&D recently. Kay Allen, Paul Shirley. Yeah, they're doing Are they record, they're recording it? For YouTube? Is it like a podcast? What is that? I think they do what what we do, only it's not like uh, broadcasted. Like they're not letting anybody know they're doing it. But they're archiving the episodes to uh, their (laughs) YouTube channel. What did I miss? I got trolled for something. (laughs) Sorry, no. (laughs) Not you. Uh, Yeah, they're doing it for for their uh, Turtle Jump show, their video game podcast. That's like a little side deal they're doing, uh, Mm -hmm. D&D Online. Just, which is pretty cool. I enjoy that show. I enjoy the Turtle Jump uh, show. I'm not. I can't find a good video game podcast that I want to oh listen God. to. Like yeah, Dale, uh, even uh, Dale went off the other day. Stand. What was the one? Let's talk about it. What what one were you subtweeting about, Dale? Can you name them? Can you give a hint? What video game podcast you pulled your drawers over? You can't even. Uh, you're, he's pulling away from the mic, so I guess he I can't do it. I, I don't know. I That's feel fine. That's fine. We won't. We won't get into it. We'll change topics right now. Stay tuned for the Paper Cake Radio Syndicate when we launch the new podcast where we review other podcasts. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the greatest man. idea in the history of podcasting. No one's done it. And put ourselves out there for <laughs> hatred <laughs> in yeah. the media. Maybe you and Jonesy should start a video game podcast about Skyrim and how Dale wants to buy a 3DS Vita. Okay, here we go. Man, here we I don't go. know that me, if me and Dale have enough time for all that. This past week, we talk about I mean, this. I go to work every day. Slim is gets a fever, he's, <laughs> and he's he's peeing out of his butt and throwing up in the sink, and he turns into the worst person in the world. He is just <laughs> ripping people apart on Twitter. They're his friends. Who? Who besides you? I made two cracks about a PS Vita. Yeah, <laughs> two mean cracks, Jonesy. Uh, Using a, 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 a social media check-in service for his beer on New Year's oh, Eve. Oh yeah, yep. And you just because you wouldn't use Untapped, you tear into Jonesy on New Year's Eve. 
Look at his oh, yeah. smug face because mm-hmm. he just that checked in a... untapped. Actually, Dale, the untold story, he actually got out of his chair, uh, knocked the phone out of my hand, and slapped me a couple <laughs> See? times. Because he's just, he was miserable. Three times, one Listen, for each We can get to the bottom of this. You love untapped. That's why you're upset about <laughs> me catching Josie no. post mid Post untapped coital. No, Andrew, I he love checked in three times, and I caught him, and it was a great tweet. You know it. That's I, all there is no, to it. It's just, it's just, it's just icing on the mean cake. You're if mean anyone when you're else, sick. You're mean. if anyone else was tweeting about PS Vita with the fervor that you were, just let me. The, my whole, my whole stream was PS Vita trade in replay value this game you gotta get this game i need to do it but i can't do it talk, someone talk me into it i was almost scrolling for hours through this ps vita <laughs> convo my uh, god Taylor's right Taylor, i wonder how many drafts are an ag customs uh tweet bot that he's afraid to post because <laughs> yes. you were jumping right. all over him like a spider monkey c c s is this week so you better get your mute <laughs> ad custom mute filters primed and ready to go you better fire those things up oh man but I was very sick, and if I was out of line, Dale, you're wrong. So I, we'll just leave it at that. I didn't I even leave if, the bed. I didn't I leave the if, bed for for like thirty hours. I wonder if Joe Jusco was ever out of line. <laughs> you didn't snicker at my Joe Jusco tweet. I did. My Joe Jusco PSV tweet. I did. It was funny, but I was having no parts of it. During that tirade, I know you didn't reply people. to any of them. That's how I know I got you. I know. When you don't, you don't give in. That means I know you're stewing over there with your little doll feet kicking all over that place. Because if I reply, I only feed you more. Like I know you could top me and tweet public tweet trolls. So you, whatever I would say back, you would just just make it worse and make me and make me stew more. So it's I was like, like you know I'm what? The, I'm like away. the bishop of trolling. Anything that gets shot at me, I just it, it empowers me more, and I use it against you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's cruel. Oh it's God, cruel. what a show! What a show! It uh, Man, one of my favorite firesides in a long time. Hmm. That's for sure. We got to think of the theme for that episode. Oh, yeah. uh, how about? Cut it off right there. Don't even go back to the fireside. Why bother?